0: And in a moment, we're going to be speaking from the New Testament book of Galatians. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn there. About halfway into the New Testament. And we're going to pick that up in a minute, as Gary got us it in Galatians last week. And uh, just a couple of things I just want to share by way of update. And I'm going to do it uh, on mic as well, just because we have quite a few people who always uh, can't make it and listen two things from the website, so a big shout out to all our friends in PEI and everywhere else, and for all our Kids Church workers, thank you for serving today, even though it's Carnival Day and it poured rain and half your activities, we're supposed to be outside, but now we're inside, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, so I hope they listen to this this week, and we're thankful every week for our Kids Church crew. Alright, uh, just a couple of things. As you know, uh, last week uh, Brent and I were in Ontario for five days, and so I just want to say a big thank you for all of you who were praying for us, and we sent out our, our itinerary to many of you, and uh, we got to be able to be with uh, several different churches in Alliston, in downtown Toronto, in Owen Sound, and basically a lot of points in between, and uh, touch base with Bruce in Kitchener-Waterloo, and Kitchener uh, Waterloo, and where Aaron and Christina are moving in August, and many others, and some other churches uh, we hadn't met before. And so just to say that went really well. We'll be sharing a little bit more tonight at our prayer meeting about that. But again, we really are grateful for your prayers, and it's great to be able to be partnering together with uh, different churches right across Canada. And that's a really mutual blessing of being able to go and to help, be able to try to serve in some ways, but also to receive. And uh, it's always good uh, when you go away. It makes you think of things differently in your own church back here. So that's been very good. All right, so that's the first thing I want to share. Second thing, I just want to really thank everybody uh, for your feedback regarding this whole process of looking at changing our church name. And I know for many that can be a sensitive uh, thing, but we really appreciate your feedback. We've learned lots, so it's been really good. And so I'm glad a lot of people participated. A lot of people brought really encouraging things. A lot of people brought good questions. A lot of people thought, have you thought about this, which was all really good and so we're really grateful again for your contributions to that we're still looking into the whole thing of legalities for christ central and um looking at you know registering all those things and kevin's doing all that from the legal and and it's been a great thing just to be able to talk to people and help explain even more fully sort of the reasoning behind things as i've said probably if you had ears to hear sort of thing, for the last couple of years, we've been looking at changing the church name. A lot of that originated, to be honest, from me. So you can love me or hate me, uh, depending upon how things uh, go. And really, I can't say, as we had in early days, even with this, I can't say I had any great revelation. Um, so there's no great secret revelation to say, God put it in the sky on the banner going um, by. Okay? Again, a majority of it comes from this. There's pros and cons to every church name. And again, I say, as we say, the building's not the church. Okay, even the church name is not the church. It's us, okay, in Christ. And really, all of our churches should just be called probably Christians. But anyways, that gets into a whole other thing. Okay, the main reason is we want to err on the side of being clear that Christ is central in every part of our lives, in our church and everything, and that's our desire, for Christ to be central in every individual, in our families, our homes, in our workplaces, in our church, in the world. And there's a lot of good things about the meeting place that is more ambiguous, and some people like that, and some people don't, because it's not clear. As soon as you flip them around, you've got all the opposite people saying, finally, now it's clear. And some people saying, I wish it was more ambiguous. We understand that, and that's all natural. <clears throat> we feel from God, especially in the world that we're in and changing, we need to be more clear on who we are. And for some people, that's going to be harder, and for some people, that's going to be better. But this is how we're proceeding, and we honestly really do appreciate your concern and your feedback, and we're taking all that into consideration. And of course, this will be a whole process, so it's just not like an overnight sort of thing. So that alleviates some fears there, and we'll keep you updated uh, on that. But again, we thank you, and we thank you that for every one of you who even had some, you know, things they didn't like, we appreciate your heart, because almost, I think every one of you wrote this. Here's my concerns, here's my opinion, however, we want to go with where you're going. And I was just like, hallelujah, that's a great heart. So we appreciate that, and we'll continue to pray and keep you informed on those things. All right? All right, we want to get into uh, Galatians again. And Gary started us off in a new series that we're going to do for the summer from the book of Galatians. And he gave a great intro last week and just talking about really how Paul is writing this letter to the churches where he had previously been at. He had shared the gospel. People had been saved. They began to follow Jesus. And then very quickly, as soon as Paul left, other teachers came in and began to teach a different doctrine and a different gospel. Which then Paul writes back and says, that's not even a gospel at all. And Gary's just pointing out foundationally how this gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ is a gospel of grace. How it's the gospel of peace. How It's a gospel, it's all about the lordship of Jesus Christ. And how the foundation is this, is that we get right with God only through believing and putting our faith in Jesus Christ. He is our way, our access to God. He gives us His righteousness. It's a free gift and we receive it freely we can't add anything to it even if it appears to be good religious things and that's what paul was fighting again that's the context that paul's writing into is that other people were coming in saying you believe in jesus but you also have to add these things on and paul's writing no 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 and we see paul compared to any of his other letters he's really stern okay he's not politically correct whatsoever He's not gentle. He's very firm. He's saying if someone else preaches another Gospel, all right, basically they're cursed. You're like, ouch, Paul, don't! Isn't it just a difference in opinion? No, it isn't. This is serious matters. In his first couple of chapters, he's just establishing how this Gospel that he preached is from God. And that's what we're going to take a look at today. Gary started it and we're going to continue. How this Gospel, this good news of Jesus is given by God. So let's read the passage together. We'll pick it up after his very short intro. Paul writes to the Galatians, says, "I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him—that's Jesus—who called you into the grace of God, sorry, into the grace of Christ—and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed." As we have said before, so now I say it again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul continues. For I'd have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had sent me, who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Peter and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And when I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went to the regions of Syria and um, uh, I got tongue-tied, sorry. It's Alicia, thank you. And I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They were only hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorify God because of me. All right? We're going to continue just to look at this morning, this gospel that Paul preached that he, he received from Jesus Christ. And we're going to take a look at some other things in addition to what Gary talked about last week that are so true about this gospel. And the first thing we want to take a look at is a gospel of revelation. And Paul says, The gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. The main point that Paul is making in this very beginning, the central truth of this passage is this. This is not something that man has made up. Paul didn't make it up. Other guys didn't make it up. He's saying it starts with God. The Gospel that Paul preaches is divine in origin. And we always have to remember that for our own lives. And if we who are Christians share the Gospel, we always have to remember this. Okay? That it's God's Gospel. It starts with God. It's from God. That, to me, is really encouraging because sometimes I think, oh man, am I going to Mess this up, and I don't you know, know enough, and all these different things. But my starting point, which is a relief, is always this. It's God's gospel. It's not something I have to try to you know, manipulate or whip up or anything like that. It starts with God. And that's what Paul wants to establish right here. And Paul's opponents would have accused him of this. They're saying, Paul, like, who are you? Okay? You didn't hang out with Jesus. You weren't one of the 12 disciples. So obviously, since you weren't walking with Jesus and all that, you're just making this up. And they would have accused Paul after he left, these teachers came in, they would have said, here listen to Paul. He wasn't one of those guys who was with Jesus. So obviously Paul is making up this gospel. And Paul establishes right at the beginning, hey folks, guess what? This is not man-made. And he begins to share so clearly about his Damascus Road experience. And if you remember when we went through the book of Acts, you can read it in Acts chapter 9, if you want to take a look this week, is that he was still called Saul at that point, was very zealous in Judaism, he said, for his own traditions, and he didn't think Jesus was the Messiah, and he actually persecuted the church. And he was actually getting orders to go to Damascus to persecute even more Christians. And on the road to Damascus, he had an incredible experience that literally he fell off his horse because Jesus appeared to him. And we learn very quickly that when we talk about the church... We're talking about Jesus because Jesus said to Paul, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Okay, so there's an important connection right there. That's just a little bunny trail, but that's an important connection. And Paul had a revelation of who Jesus Christ really is. God revealed Jesus to him in a powerful way. And from that point on, Paul changed everything. He changed his view of Jesus. He changed the calling upon his life. And Paul's just trying to establish, look, the gospel is for people. This is good news for planet Earth. This is good news for men and women from his day forward right up to today and into the future. But it's initiated by God. So sometimes people can think, well, that's just a God thing. I'm not interested in God things, so it's not applicable to me. No, Paul's saying it's applicable to everyone. It's even more radical for Paul now because he's saying it's not just for Jewish, it's for Gentiles as well. So it's not man-made. Paul's trying to establish that right away. Okay? And for us, you know what, today a lot of people think Jesus, everything, the Bible is all man-made. And sometimes it can rock you know, our faith or sometimes we get questioning and it's okay to question and work through this. But at some point, we have to realize God reveals. And it takes God to, To reveal. And that helps us in our walk with God. helps us in our prayers for other people to say, God, would you reveal the gospel of Jesus Christ to people? We see this. Paul uses himself as the example of revelation. Of how God reveals. You just think about it, for example. That's really encouraging. That Paul uses himself as an example of how God reveals. Paul says, supernaturally, Jesus appeared to me. And because it was so supernatural, and it was such a God thing, that he says, I was so convinced, I didn't have to go talk to the other apostles, to the other disciples, to see if what I heard from Jesus lined up. Okay? He did that later. Paul says this. He's basically saying, folks, this has to be God. This has to be a God thing. Paul was quite happy Paul was quite convinced in his former way of life that he was doing the right thing. He actually thought he was pleasing God by persecuting the Christians. And Paul's saying, so if it was just a human thing, okay, it wouldn't be convincing. Paul saying, the only way I changed is because God revealed. God brought revelation. God brought understanding. You've got to remember, Paul knew... Who Jesus was. So it's not like he'd never heard of Jesus before. Actually, that's the one he was going after because he didn't think Jesus was the Messiah. And I think this is encouraging for us today, maybe a little bit disturbing as well. Is that sometimes we can think of Paul in his former life of being like, you know, maybe uh, didn't know Jesus, he's persecuting. Actually, Paul knew a lot about Jesus, he just didn't think he was the Messiah. Because Paul was looking for in the Messiah, Paul was thinking. Jesus died on the cross, okay, right away. That sort of, he's not the Messiah, now we're looking for somebody else. But he didn't understand the whole, how Jesus was our substitute. He didn't realize how Jesus paid the price for our sins. He didn't realize, okay, who Jesus really was. Paul also thought this, he thought Jesus couldn't be the Messiah because Jesus threatened the whole Old Testament and the law. And so therefore, he thought he was zealous in saying, I'm going to protect God's Word and Jesus is the Messiah, so I'm going after Him and His followers. Until he had a revelation of Jesus Christ. Then he knew Him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But he also realized this with that great revelation. Jesus actually fulfills the law. The application today, folks, is this. Many, many people know something about Jesus. Many, many people are religious Many, many people go to churches. Many, many people would tick Christian as their box if they are asked. They would say, well, I'm Roman Catholic, I'm Anglican, I'm Baptist. Many people know a lot of things about Jesus, but that doesn't mean they've received revelation to understand who Jesus really is. And some people are anti-Christian. They come against Jesus as Saul did. But many people are a bit just ambivalent about Jesus. We need the revelation of God. And that's why we keep praying for the revelation of God. For people who even make me know, well, I know a little bit about Jesus. I've heard some stuff at Christmas. I've heard some stuff at Easter. I know a little bit about that. But we need God to bring revelation of who Jesus really is, to understand the gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ. And of course, today, okay, not too many of us have maybe an experience of seeing Jesus as Paul did, but God uses. His methods. He uses the Word of God. He uses preaching. He uses us sharing our faith with one another. All those things, by the power of the Holy Spirit, bring illumination and revelation. And I'm sure if every one of us who were here this morning were able, as Paul did, to tell our story, there would be a part in it that would say God brought revelation to who Jesus is in this great Gospel. Because it's not just man-made. It's not just like joining a club Okay, it's not just something you just kind of decide to do or you kind of fall into it. No, it takes revelation. So even if you've been brought up in a Christian home, even if you went to church all your life and you've become a Christian, okay, you might think, well, I don't have a radical story like Paul. Guess what? You're still a miracle. And you can be thankful that God spared you from many things. But it still takes the revelation of the Word of God, the preaching. And Paul was able to say in Romans, okay, faith comes from hearing the Word of God. That leads to our next point. Okay. God is the God who reveals, but the revelation is always this. The object of the revelation is always Jesus Christ. And we have to understand this. Because in the world we live in, as probably in Paul's day, we're all about mysterious revelations. We're all like, man, I just want to have a dream. I want to have a mystical experience. I want to be on this journey. I want you know, to experience things. And I want all these things. I want... Revelation, and I want you know all kinds of different things, and I want things revealed to me. Folks, here's the thing. If it's really God revealing things to you, okay, it will always lead to Jesus. That's who God reveals. So God does reveal. He does give dreams. Okay? And we hear about it in different places, that different people in different places have dreams of Jesus and all those things. That happens today. But folks, if it's really from God, the object of the revelation is always Jesus. So all our bookstores are filled with people's experiences of God. But unless Jesus is in there, you better question <laughs> what type of experience it was. And Paul was really blunt on that. He says, yes, God reveals. Yes, God is supernatural. Yes, God gives dreams and visions and all those incredible things. But somewhere along the way, Jesus has to be the center of the revelation. Or else, either we're not interpreting it right or it ain't God speaking to you. (laughs) So it's more than just an experience. So some of us say, man, if I could just be like Paul, man, if I saw Jesus. Hey, the New Testament wasn't even written yet. Okay? So we have the advantage of more than just a supernatural experience. We have the Word of God that's been given to us. We have the church that we can help one another. And we have the Holy Spirit who's been given and poured out. So the Gospel of Jesus Christ is a Gospel that's revealed by God. God takes the initiative. It's not just man-made. It's not just something man made up and wrote these books. God calls people. Paul can say, I was called by God. Had to be God. There's no other explanation. I was actually against Jesus. I was happy when I was doing. I was going for what I thought was right. And God changed me because He revealed Jesus to me in a way I didn't know before. And that's the key. It was a revelation of Jesus Christ. So the gospel is about revelation. We understand this as well. The gospel is revealed. but The gospel also contains truth. And we read this. Paul says, But I received and through a revelation of Jesus Christ, for you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I think we can learn a few things here. I'll just touch on them briefly. In our day and age, this is the most one of the most things I hear the most. As long as you're sincere about what you believe, then that's the most important thing. Paul says, "I was very sincere. I was sincere almost more than anyone about what I believed. I was very sincere. I was hey, I was even ahead of my peers in studying and being a Pharisee and." following not only the Old Testament, but by that time, to be a Pharisee, you had to learn a whole lot more. They added a whole lot more onto the Old Testament. And all these things about being a Pharisee and all these different things you had to follow. And Paul saying, hey, I was head of my class. And I was sincere. I believed what I believed was true. And yet after this revelation of Jesus, Paul realized I was dead wrong. And so that's just a warning to us. Okay? It's a warning to us. That we can be sincere. And what we believe in, but we can be wrong. And again, it cuts across our postmodern pluralistic society of the smorgasbord of you just believe what you want, and as long as you're sincere, then Paul's saying, time out. No. You can be sincere, but you can be dead wrong. The other thing Paul says is this zeal is not enough. Paul was zealous, this guy was zealous. So you think, man, somebody's passionate for something. That must prove that what they're passionate about is true. And Paul was passionate. He was zealous. He was like, man, I'm going for because I think I'm doing the right thing. And he was zealous. And he says, you know, I was zealous. I was doing these things. I was persecuting the church because I thought what I was doing was right. I was studying. I was learning. We learned in other parts that he had probably the best teacher in the Pharisees to train them, to be mentored by, all these things. And we just think, man, look at the passion for what people do today. Man, they must be, you know, it must be true what they're doing. Paul's saying, again, time out. You can be sincere, you can be zealous, you can be passionate, but you can be zealous for the wrong things. And so again, it's a real soul-searching thing. What am I zealous for? What am I passionate about? What am I sincere about? Paul's saying, be careful. And folks, today, truth is still a huge issue. Adam Langell, when he spoke two weeks ago, talked about it. Okay, just that belt of truth and some of the examples. He did such an excellent job of just explaining how truth is such a big deal. And we start with the belt of truth we look at Ephesians 6 because everything else is built around it. In okay, Jesus' day, okay, when he was on trial, they asked him, you know, what is truth? And the same question gets asked today. And as Adam pointed out, today, the biggest statement that's put out there, "There there's no absolute truth. Which Adam, again, pointed out is a truth statement in making that statement. But truth is a big deal. We have to understand this. This is a sobering thing. But out of love, we have to say it. What we believe about the life and death of Jesus Christ is a matter of life and death. Can I say that again? What we believe or don't believe about the life and death of Jesus Christ is a matter of life and death for us. And again, Paul doesn't give us any other option. He could have wrote a nice letter and said, Hey, glad I was with you a little way back, and I'm glad you listened to me, but hey, these other teachers, they got some good points too, so you know, you guys just pick and believe what you want, and I'm sure it'll all work out in the end, and you guys are sincere as long as you're zealous. All roads lead to God, and you know what? I'll see you in heaven because we're all going to be there. <laughs> Paul's like jumping up and down. He's just like, "No! Say, look, if someone else is preaching a different gospel, they're cursed." He says, "If I come back and I preach a different gospel, if an angel appears to you and it's a different gospel and it's not focused on Jesus and that He's the way, of the truth, and life, and that He's the only way to the Father and that He's our righteousness, and we can't add anything to it, we can't take anything away, we're in big trouble." And he was adamant right away. He's like, hi, Paul. And then he's like, what are you doing? He says, I'm astonished. Which is the complete opposite of our world. Especially here at university. You believe what you believe. As long as it doesn't hurt me. I'll believe what I believe. And we're all on a journey. And some of that you understand. Yeah, we're all... On a journey. We get that. We can use the same words and mean different things. But, folks, it's a matter of life and death. If we really believe this, Paul doesn't give us any option. He's saying, no. In our postmodern pluralistic world, Paul's saying, as Jesus said, there's only one way to heaven. It's very exclusive. The inclusive part is anybody can come to Jesus. You can be religious, you can be an atheist. You can grow up in this culture. You can have this ethnic background. Any stage of life, anyone can come to Jesus. It's very inclusive. I was reading the commentary this week. Thomas Schreiner says this. Excellent what he pointed out about this passage. Let me just read it because he puts it in better words than I could. He says this. We must have courage to proclaim that there is only one way to salvation, that one is saved not by living a good life, but only through faith in Jesus Christ. If we fail to proclaim that there is only one name by which we are saved, Acts 4.12, and that human beings come to God only through Jesus, John 14.6, we will doubtless give assurance of salvation to people who are heading for final judgment. Nothing can be more unloving than granting false assurance to the perishing. So folks, it's not unloving to say that there's only one way to God through Jesus Christ. That's not unloving. People say, that's very unloving. You're discriminating, all those things. For what we believe, it's the most loving thing we can share. Okay? And it's hard to walk across the room, explain to your neighbors. We were talking about this with some of us yesterday. It's really hard sometimes because of the culture we live in. It's really hard to say, well, actually, I disagree with you, and here's where I'm coming from. And actually, these are the things that the Bible says, and this is actually what Jesus... Taught and the rest of the New Testament backs it up. That's hard. Okay. I'm a people pleaser. I just want to get along with everybody. I love everybody. Can't we all just be on the same team? Can't we just love each other? It's like, hey man, knuckles and high fives, and like let's just hang out. It's cool. We're all good. It's true. In my flesh, that's how I am. Okay. I can kind of get along with everybody. And my past shows that. I can get along with all. I mean, through high school and university, everything, I got along with everybody. I could go into every sort of grouping and somehow fit in. And it's hard to sometimes say, you know what, I'm listening, and I just have to disagree with you. Okay. Ouch. It's much easier just to shut up and not say anything. Paul doesn't do that. Jesus didn't do that. We don't really have the option either. But don't believe the lie that you sharing Jesus is not loving. It's the most loving thing you can do. And we need God to bring revelation by His Holy Spirit for people to see Jesus in a different way or to maybe know Him for the first time. So we see that the gospel is from God. It's a revealed gospel. We see that the gospel of Jesus Christ is truth. And we see this revelation and truth lead to this. It leads to transformation. We read this. Paul says, they were only hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy it, and they glorify God because of me. If it's real gospel, real Jesus, then there's real change. Paul could say, hey, this is my former way of life. Here's my new life. And hopefully, for those of us who are Christians, there's a part of that that we can say as well. Hey, I used to think this way. This is how my life used to be. Even if you were religious, okay, there's still a change. Hey, I was religious growing up. Okay? I went to church like every Sunday. I went every Sunday night. I went to the prayer meeting, okay, with no offense to my old, with ten old ladies, honestly. I mean, I was like the only kid like under 50, 60 who was there, okay? And bless them. Bless them. Okay? But I'm just saying I went for all the wrong reasons, okay? I'm not judging them. I'm judging myself. I went to youth group. I went everything. Man, I read the Bible every night. King James. I didn't understand a word, but I read it every night. I checked off the list, man. I'm serious. I read the Bible in year after year after year. Okay? I was a good boy. I tried to stay out of trouble. Okay? You know, I broke up fights. I went to the parties, but I didn't drink. I didn't have sex outside. All that stuff. I didn't do drugs. I broke up fights. I had people puking in my back seat because i drive them home so they wouldn't drive home drunk. I'm serious, man. I was pastoring people before I even knew what pastoring was. (laughs) And yet, it's still my old life, even though I was doing good. And I think God's sovereignty was in that. But I can say, hey, what I was thinking about Jesus was wrong. I still thought I had to get right with God by how good I did. And I didn't have peace inside because I kept striving, wondering, oh, I didn't read my Bible tonight. I'll have to make it up tomorrow night for God to be happy with me. Okay? That's an old life, even though I was doing good. Okay, even if I even though I was religious, and from the outside everybody would say I was a Christian, but on the inside, I can still say that was an old way. And it took the Holy Spirit, okay, it took preaching from God's Word to bring revelation that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and life, that we get to the Father through Him. Not by works, lest Joe Crumby boast. And what a relief. I remember like just saying, Jesus, is this really true? And I mean, I just remember the night I was just like, Lord Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. Okay? I trust you in your word that you've paid it all, and I believe, and I put count me in, I'm with you. Okay? And that simple prayer. And the peace of God that came upon that, that striving stopped and that god loved me and he poured his spirit into me and i could cry out abba father and i knew for the first time ever that god really is real and that he really loves me and this is all true and the peace of god i could have floated in that room that night and the weight of the world off my shoulders because i didn't it wasn't all on me anymore now my lifestyle afterwards almost looked exactly the same as before but the motivation for it and the energy and the power was completely different So some of us have radical testimony. Gary and I, we share a story. We're about as opposite as you can get. But the same result. A changed life on the inside. Even though you wouldn't necessarily know very much that my life changed from my growing up years to God saving me, filling me with his spirit. I'm on Ontario last week, and I'm going like, I can't believe I'm doing what I'm doing. Because I never dreamed it has to be God. I'm like, Paul, this has to be God. Because the last thing I ever wanted to do growing up was ever be a pastor. It's the last thing I ran from God. When I finished high school. You graduates, don't do what I did. Okay? I thought God will make me do something I hate, so I'm not even going to ask his opinion. I love sports, phys ed, here I come. <laughs> and 21 years ago, I landed at UMB to take phys ed because that's what I was passionate about. And so God brought revelation, and he brought calling. And This has to be God, because this is the last thing I ever thought I'd be doing, and now I can't imagine doing anything else folks that's God, that's not man made okay I didn't stick down didn't stick with my guidance counselor in high school and say, "Now what's a good career for you? I want to make lots of money, okay, I want to be popular, okay, and I want to climb the corporate ladder. You should be a pastor <laughs> 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 ah, Those two just don't soon. It has to be God. You know what, folks? Every one of us, if you're a Christian, you should have a similar story somehow of a before and after that God's revealed and God's done something in your life. And not all of us are going to have Paul stories that, hey, man, I was an atheist or I hated God and God revealed himself. And I mean, that's a great story, okay? My is really boring compared to that, but it's still a miracle. And it results in a changed life. Paul went from persecuting to preaching. And folks, we have to realize this message is for all people. Paul in his revelation, not only did he become a Christian, he had a calling now from God. For him it was to go to the Gentiles. What a radical thing for someone from his background to think that other people, this message was for them. But it fulfilled the promise of God to Abraham that all the nations will be blessed through you. Again, revelation. Okay, Paul would have known about Abraham. He would have known all that. But revelation, as he's never seen it before. And just to end, the gospel glorifies God. The gospel glorifies God. A changed life should bring glory to God. And so, a couple things in that one. First of all, God changes your own life. Okay, and Paul did that. Okay, now his purpose changed. But those around him, who saw what God had done glorified God. Our lives should lead us, but it should lead others to praise God. It should bring glory to God. That's our new purpose is to please God. And that's the ironic thing. For me, I was trying to please God, to get right with God. And the revelation, I get right with God by believing Jesus. And guess what? He gives me energy now to please Him. Woo! That's like... God, oh, that is so cool! How you do that, okay. so folks? This morning, okay. The Gospel of Jesus Christ—it's a revealed gospel. Okay, now you have to understand—we're not talking like mystic mysticism. Okay, it's very plain. In one sense, we've been given the Word of God. Now we try to preach and teach it. We share our lives. We help understand. We try to apply, but it's still a reveal. It starts with God. It's given from God. Jesus was sent. By the Father. It's a God thing, not a man-made thing. We have to understand that. And that has to help understand how we save, that the glory goes to God. I can't take credit for it. But it has to help us in being able to share with others that we don't know, we can't always see where God's at work. We just do our part. And we pray like crazy. God, would you give revelation? Would you give understanding? Would you illuminate who Jesus really is? Even for religious people who know something about Jesus, would you give them a new understanding? of who Jesus is as Lord and Savior. And the gospel is truth. In our world that says there's no such thing as truth, the gospel is truth. Paul had to fight for it. Folks, we're going to have to fight for it today. And just being clear on the inside, folks, it's loving to be able to share the truth of Jesus Christ. It's not unloving. It's from God. We have to stick to what Jesus said, even if it makes us unpopular even if we're misunderstood, even if we're persecuted. We have to fight for these things. Okay? We have to fight and say, no, we believe the word of God, and we have to give a reasonable explanation for it. We have to give a reasonable explanation for why we believe Jesus is the son of God, and we try to teach into those things that you're well-equipped to be able to do that. Okay? We have to realize this, that the true gospel, true Jesus, it leads to Transformation. Sometimes you can't always see it on the outside, but it does something on the inside first. And we want to live transformed lives, as we learn, as we experience this gospel, as we receive it, okay? as we understand that Jesus is our great substitute, that we get right with God only through Jesus Christ. We can't add anything to it. It's the grace of God. But by faith, I believe it. And I receive it, and He fills us with the spirit. And he does a work in us that continues on. Okay? That always isn't perfect. We still mess up. And sometimes we still choose the flesh over the spirit. And all those things. But it we're a work in progress. That God is bringing us. That one day we're going to be completely conformed to the image of Christ. We're going to have a new body in heaven. We're going to be and look like Jesus. Hallelujah. And all of that brings glory to God. So those of us who have experienced that. We can, that's why we can worship and say, this is our God. Okay? Those of you who maybe don't consider yourselves Christians, you can say, what are these people about? Okay? England hasn't even scored this afternoon, and we're going crazy. All right? Because this is more important than any soccer game. Okay? This is our God that we know has saved us. And we owe our lives to God. And it thrills our hearts, and we want to express that and our worship to Him, both corporately, together, but in everyday life. We want to express that tomorrow morning without our coffee, when we're cranky, all those things, because God has done a work in here that we want the whole world to know, individually and corporately. All right, Let me pray. Let's ask for God to continue to reveal the gospel of Jesus, the truth of His gospel, and it will lead to transformation that glorifies God. Father in heaven, we thank You today. We thank You that You're in control, that You are the everlasting God, that You're from everlasting to everlasting, that You're the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. You never change, You never sleep, You never slumber, that You are. And we thank You that You sent the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, to take on humanity, to live a sinless life. We're so grateful He went to the cross in obedience to You take on our sin take our place to make a way for us to be made right with you that you give us his righteousness our right standing with you that you paid the penalty and we thank you that you're so generous you give us the gift of your holy spirit and we thank you that you give us new purpose in life that you transform us to be like your son jesus god i pray this morning lord i'm sure there's people here who don't know you or don't know jesus in this way Today, I pray by your Holy Spirit, would you come and bring revelation? Would you lift eyes? Would you come and clear away the fog? Would you come and lift the veil of darkness so that people can see maybe Jesus for the first time as Lord and Savior? Even those from religious backgrounds, God, we pray. Lord, even those who are zealous about other things and sincere about different things, God, we pray for the revelation of your truth of Jesus Christ, which leads to transformation, which leads to glory to you we pray that today, Lord. I just pray for us as a church, God, Lord, that you would work through us, God. We pray, Lord, you'd help us to just love you and to obey you, to be just different here in the world because we know that we're connected to Jesus individually and corporately. God, we pray, Lord, our lives would bring glory to you. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. We're so grateful this morning for this great gospel. And we pray, would you help us to declare it and live it out fearlessly and clearly as we should. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.